0: Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Wednesday. First of yesterday's news, I am Glenn Z We're looking back at Tuesday. Uh, we've got um, food labelling back in the news. Uh, do you actually care where your food comes from? Uh, how did that whole domestic tourism thing go over the long weekend? But uh, first up, uh, yeah, it turns out... We might be doing an entire podcast uh, COVID-free today, but unfortunately it's because uh, America seems to be on fire.
1: You've had a bit of an intense experience yourself and your camera operator, what happened?
2: Uh, well, basically, we were in the area outside the White House this evening, uh, about half an hour before the curfew here in Washington, D.C. was due to come into effect. Uh, and we were waiting, actually, to hear from Donald Trump, who was set to make an address in the Rose Garden, uh, when, uh, I guess, the situation escalated. There were a number of protesters uh, throwing missiles at police and, and certainly getting uh, right up in their faces. And then all of a sudden, uh, definitely unexpected to us us, the the line of police just came charging forward. Uh, It was unexpected because that is something that we didn't think would happen until curfew. We were here last night uh, when curfew came into effect, and we made sure we were behind the police line. So we were going in behind them uh, to make sure, obviously, that we're not getting caught in the crosshairs. But this definitely happened before the curfew, which meant that everyone that was standing there, uh, protesting, uh, media, were allowed out any time of night. Where we are exempt from the curfew, but everyone had a legal right to be standing there, and they were uh, targeted by rubber bullets, uh, as I just heard you uh, describe gas, uh, I copped a, a, a baton to the back. My um, cameraman got punched right in the stomach quite severely and had his camera pushed in his face. It was really quite violent uh, and, to to me, certainly seemed unnecessary. But moments later, we knew why they'd come in so swiftly, and that's because we saw the president walk out of the White House and across uh, to the uh, Church of the Presidents, which just last night was on fire because of riots, Mm. uh, where he stood with a Bible as a sign of, uh, I guess, solidarity and defiance against what's going on.
0: Yeah, don't you hate it when you're just, like, I don't know, doing your job? And the police come and beat you up for it. It's really annoying, isn't it? I don't think Chris Lynch was very impressed either by what he was seeing. We
3: will see more protests. We will see more violent protests over the course of the coming weeks, that is for sure. And what was heartbreaking to see is journalists up and down the country. You know, one journalist, uh, a male journalist, who was bottled from a protester uh, from behind Another man who was trying to defend his store was kicked in the head 50 times. Thankfully, he survived. I mean, the amount of violence that I've seen over the course of the day is just horrific. And I've been trying and and struggling to understand, Okay, we've got a black man who's dead. The footage of the police and what they did is shocking. Um, Equally as shocking is the amount of violence you're seeing on the streets as well on I, 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 I'm loath to say this, but on both sides. In Chicago, you've got police force that were shooting and aiming at citizens who were looking on the road from their deck, from their home. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty off, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty off. In fact, and there's probably even stronger language you could use. I wonder what kind of language Kate Hawkesby used. Uh, she's got a foul mouth at the best of times, so uh, let's find out. I
1: can understand the rage against it and the feeling of powerlessness and the desire to protest, but what I can't understand is the looting, the opportunists joining in and decimating local businesses that have nothing to do with any of this. Businesses and shops probably already hit hard by COVID and the lockdown, now gutted, set alight, all their stocks stolen or ruined, whole streets... Ransacked and vandalised, buildings and shops graffitied, landmarks destroyed, cars set alight, glass and debris strewn everywhere. Pro rioters will tell you that they have to do something to get attention and demand change, and given they don't trust the law, they're comfortable breaking it. But I don't think responding to crime with more crime is the answer. They are tearing down their own cities and neighbourhoods. It's the rioters, the looters, and their families who'll be affected by the fallout from that. Then there's the political argument. Of course, everything these days is political at some level. So there's those who blame Trump, those who support Trump. They're all pointing the finger at each other. But I just don't know how America picks itself up from this. A country already so beaten down by COVID, a country already awash with division. The escalating tensions must be terrifying for those living in and around it and for those trying desperately to make sure there is real change out of all of this that the right message gets heard. I mean, how soul-destroying for them. Because although the violence and anarchy is grabbing all the column inches and the headlines, there are also tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting. And that's the real message that's getting lost under the rubble of senseless violence and chaos. But I think presidential hopeful Joe Biden said it right when he said, the act of protesting should never be allowed to overshadow the reason we protest. Vandals who think this is how to hammer home a message, are surely only making things exponentially worse.
0: Yeah, so no strong language really from Kate there. I mean, she used the word exponentially, which is good. Uh, the the re- I made the strong language joke there because she actually actually walked in the room while I was saying that and I just wanted to piss her off. So, that's, um, I'm, I'm just so mature and I really should be more careful about the things I say. Um, now, uh, they were, the things that they were saying on uh, Simon Phil Phil's show yesterday afternoon, uh, were a lot of it was food labelling. But uh, the discussion was, do we really care where it comes from anyway? But the perception, it's duplicitous in the labelling because it suggests that it is from this country, but it might be only sort of made here, assembled here. But the product itself is from offshore. On the line with us is the chair of New Zealand Pork, who's called in, Eric Roy. day, Eric. Hello,
4: Eric. G'day, Simon. Uh, Phil? G'day, Hello, mate. mate. How are you? Oh, really good! I miss playing golf with you, Tiana. I've gone out of the fetal position after you beat me the last time. But, however, let's talk about pigs.
0: I didn't know that you were now with the uh, New Zealand Pork Board, Eric. Yeah, Eric Roy is a very, very nice man, and uh, he's, he had a wee batch in Tiana for years, and was with the National Party for years too. Eric, you're a good fella. Nice to talk with you. Likewise. Thank you.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, Eric, what's your view on this?
4: Well, well, firstly. Um, we probably need to import something because if we were totally self-sufficient in, say, pork bellies and spare ribs, we'd have too many legs, too many trotters, too many heads. Mm. So there's kind of a bit of a need for an international trade. Right. But having said that, uh, 60% of the pork and b- bacon consumed in New Zealand is imported. And uh, because they've got a cheaper feed system, it's cheaper to grow grain overseas, uh, and they have different requirements in terms of environment and animal welfare, they can undercut us quite severely so we need to have that country of origin branding in there. I could just say that about 94% of what we import wouldn't be uh, allowed to be produced in New Zealand by those by the standards that we've got. So we want some discernment there. Now I heard Mm. heard you saying uh, there's been a delay in, in the country of origin regulations. The bill was passed Uh, The Minister of Consumer Affairs had 18 months to get those uh, regulations in place.
0: I know I said I wasn't going to mention um, COVID-19 in this podcast, but when you hear stories like that and people like that start going on a bit, you think, oh man, the old news was really boring, wasn't it? It was actually quite boring. Uh. It was your weekend, interesting, it was a long weekend and we were told to go out and spend some money domestically uh, So did you, uh, Marcus saw some people doing just that
5: I took the kids, the children, to Queenstown and it was crazy busy I had no idea And of course not only was it crazy busy but it wasn't coping because so many people had cars because they hadn't all flown and, and it was kind of at gridlock And uh, a lot of people sort of wandering around in swan dries and Barker's tracksuit pants. A little bit different from the international visitors, but it was pretty damn good. In fact, everywhere people were slammed and very, very busy. Um, Surprising to me because I hadn't been to any shops with social distancing, queuing everywhere for people to get into things, but worked very, very well. I don't know if the people in Queenstown were surprised how busy it was, but um, clearly it was like capacity. And it was cold, too, and there was no skiing. And then we went to Central Otago as well. It was freezing also. So that was my weekend. It went fairly well. So, yeah, I I, I was – um. I don't know how all you, all you folks are, but I kind of came away from that weekend thinking that local tourism will probably be quite sustainable, will sustain small towns for a while. It did seem crazy busy, and people seemed to be throwing the dosh around, too. They were paragliding and paraponting and on those boats that looked like sharks that jump out of the water. They were shopping. I thought it might be easy to get a furrug burger, but boy, oh boy, there were queues like there normally are. It's like every single person south of Hoonahay had the same idea I had that was go to Queenstown, it would be quiet. Should have stayed home. Anyway that's the reality and that was very very
0: good I don't know why he would have thought that Everybody I talked to The first thing they said they were going to do Was go to Queenstown um, I'm amazed that the country Didn't tip up on an angle in the water Because everybody suddenly Went south to Queenstown um, But anyway There you go, that's Marcus That was his weekend I'm Glenn ZB, I was of balancing things So I sort of stayed home up here uh, and I'll see you back here again, counterbalancing other things
4: tomorrow with another News Tour ZB.